Hey all y'all, the screeding machine, the screed factors out there. I don't know what you guys all think about cancer, but I think fuck cancer. I think my dad had five brothers and sisters, and they all had spouses. So that's like 12 people in that portion of the family, that generation of Hobbses. And I think over half maybe more, died to cancer. I don't know. F that shit. For sure. Why we can't figure that stuff out and get it to stop, I don't know. I get it. I'm old. The generation ahead of me is way older. But it shouldn't be cancer, right? We shouldn't be doing all that stuff to try and fight it off. Hey, fight. I'm not saying don't fight. I'm just saying it shouldn't be what it is. It should be something that we could solve at this stage of the game, in my opinion. But I don't know. What I do know is today is July 8th, Aaron Coleman Day on the Goodman Games Twitch. Get over there. As soon as I'm done working, I'll be there, y'all. Get over there. Check out the auction items. Send money to Taco John at Black Blade Publishing if you want it to directly send money. Otherwise, just go to Goodman Games Twitch, get on it, buy some auction items, get involved, have fun. Aaron's still alive. Let's celebrate that. Let's help his boy out as much as we can. Aaron is uh, a top-notch human being, a stalwart companion, and I guarantee there isn't a time that if you have a problem and you're a friend of Aaron's, that he's not going to be there, have your back with his sword and his massive muscles of mayhem. So, yeah, July 8th, 2022, Aaron Coleman Day. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Hey, Jason, just listened to Player Absence, June 26th. Great episode. Yep, fuck cancer. Agreed. If there's a way to do a donation without being able to make the Twitch channel, because I probably won't because of work schedule, there's a somewhere we can, you, you know, do, do a donation towards that college fund, let us know. Um, as far as the Aliens game, Mr. Shields ran, it, I think you said North Texas. Yep, I've got that. I've got the leading edge, both the role-playing game and the board game. Great games. I'm trying to get Carl. I've been talking with Carl about running some where I'll run Aliens and he'll run Alien, the newer inferior game, and um, we'll, we'll see how they stack up against each other. But I do have some thoughts on player absence, but I'll leave you a second message. Your method of the player just fading to black is fine for me. My preferred method is for the other players to play that character. Actually, that's not my preferred method. The method most normally used, I think, and the method I like to see where people are attached to their characters is for other players to keep playing that person's character and they get maybe half half XP for the sessions they're not at, that kind of thing. But that way they're there, the items they have are able to be used by the party, the you know, the characters involved. Um, and everybody just has to have an agreement during session zero that they understand their character might die if they don't, you know, show up to that session. Um, that's kind of how I like to see it where people are attached to their characters, but that's not my dream method. And I'll leave my dream method in my third and last message for this episode. 
my dream method for an open table game, not necessarily West Marches, but an open table game that's a continuing story or continuing, you know, continuing evolving plot, whatever you want to say, not like plotted out railroad, but you know, anyway, a continuing game with the same party would be for the characters in the party to remain the same and the players just pick whoever they're going to play each game. I don't like character creations fine. I don't mind character creation as much as you do, but I don't get super attached to characters. So I'm fine playing a different character every game. So I think you have your set group of characters and then whoever shows up just picks one of those characters and plays the game. That would be my preferred method. I know people get all attached to characters and cry when they die and stuff. So that's not for everybody, but that would be my preferred method. And I am definitely looking forward to Carl's hostile game made a character for that and be fun all right so there is the extent of the listenership's weigh-in on player absence for je shields james shields artiste extraordinaire sounds like he had a few things to say about what you had going on james so thank you very much for that call in a mr connerly that last one reminds me of what I've been trying to do with all my low fantasy gaming play tests, wherein I always use the same characters. They could be at different levels of their history, but I've been using the same characters. I've been making them kind of iconic. So there's one of each class and I have one for first, second, third, fourth, fifth level. And then whatever level it is, those are the characters. And so if you have played in multiple play tests, you can play the same character again. If not, you can pick whatever character you want. Um, like you say, I don't know if that really breeds an attachment, but uh, I can tell you that I know other people do something similarly for Hyperborea with... In a quarter mile, turn left to stay on US 14 West. The quote-unquote iconic characters of Hyperborea, and I always play um, the Necromancer. I can't remember what his name is, but... That's the one I always play, so it's, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm not a big character generator. Don't get me wrong. I get attached to characters, and I love the emergent story that stems from playing Turn characters left to stay on US 14 West. over a period of time, but I don't, I don't know if I need experience points and the character has to get better. I just, like, I'm there to see what this story is, and what happens and I think that's why people like uh Saul's Weedle medium call me the um a story gamer oh these guys don't care people are walking what the shiitake now if that old lady driving that car was walking she'd be pissed if people weren't stopping oh well what are you gonna do people what are you gonna do if he is up or down his podcast still comes round Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sat nav man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. Status report. Work continues. So as I've been saying, I am a salesman and I don't get my schedule every day until 7.30. I go out and do my schedule and then when I get home, I get home. It can be exhausting, but uh, things have taken a turn for the better. For a little bit, I was wondering if I was going to have to get a more traditional job, just like I was going to have to stop doing 
open table West March's games and start a traditional campaign. We can't have that. Um, in all honesty, though, things are going pretty well. It is uh, the local festival, and I am a member of the Lions, which means I like to volunteer uh, for local stuff, and that means working at the beer tent over the next couple of days. So whatever time I might have to do something, it's even lessened more than that. But over... I've been talking about some characters and <laughs> I was mentioning something to someone on Discord and they're like, oh, is that the game where you play that Snake Man cultist? And I'm like, damn, I have a few Snake Man cultists. <laughs> I don't know which one's which, which is bad, but not that bad. So on Tuesday night, we did not have our regular Castles and Crusades aired game uh, with Zach Pierce and the player of Mr. Higgins, Trev Hart and... Uh, Jesus. Instead, I got into a gaming and BS open table game nominally based in the Keep on the Borderlands, which originally was being ran by Farty McButterpants. I don't know if that's his name, but Nelson, you might be hearing uh, Che Webster talk about him on Roleplay Rescue. He had started up a campaign uh, that was meant to be an open table West March's game, but and now it is also a shifting GM game because Who's Carl from Gaming and BS fame is running, and I got into that game. Uh, I still had my paladin, uh, Polonius, who is a direct takeoff of Sturm Brightblade, except he... Oh, shit. We interrupt this status report to bring you breaking, breaking, breaking news from the other chasing no i'm just kidding this is a little segment uh since i had a phone call we might as well use it a little segment of the show i've been calling the other screed when jason calls in to uh you know catch up on all the episodes and bring us his thoughts and his ideas on the games we'll get back to let me tell you about my character after this hey jason according to breaking news april 20 from april 26 Yes, about the drag and the light spell. I agree with you. It should still be able to attack. It should attack as if it's blinded or in total darkness. I don't know what BX does for that. If it's minus four for those things, and I guess minus four is it, I think it ought to be like minus eight, you would think, right? It should be a pretty hefty penalty. But I would look for something else that blinds a character but lets them attack in BX and equal to that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if a party comes up with a really good plan and it works, then it ought to work. I mean, that's part of the whole old school gaming, right? OSR thing is, you, you, you know, player skill. And if you're smart enough to figure out a plan that's going to overcome something that, you know, is reasonable in the game world, then I think it should work. I wasn't planning on going by these one by one and interacting and but I have to, man. It's just good, and it brings me back. And so my Vancian podcasting has been foiled. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I absolutely agree with you. Just like the other direction. If the party does not have a good plan and they go into overwhelming odds and they get TPK'd, then guess what? They're TPK'd. But uh, the breaking news, I should say, uh, that episode started off talking about the 
gaming and BS wrapping up in their last episode was this week, I believe, or last week, I don't remember, but pretty heartfelt episode, and uh, it's cool to see uh, people recognizing when they are ready to not do their show anymore. I just still want to keep doing Hobbs and Friends, I just don't have time, and it's super difficult to schedule with people when I can't tell them, yep, three days from now I'll have this time off, and then keep on moving it, and it breaks my heart to do that, but... We're going to do it. I have this huge list of people that I want to interview and it just gets bigger and bigger. And then I see people, you know, scooping my interviews. It's heartbreaking, people. Heartbreaking. Let's see what else Jason has to say. But wait, I wanted to comment specifically on another aspect of his call-in. So in BX, we're really talking about two different games, right? B is basic and it's levels 1 to 3 and X is 4 to 12 or something say. I don't know. I've never had an X character that high. But basic game says the monster cannot attack. If you're blinded, you cannot attack. I don't remember what it says in Expert. They might have changed it. I don't know. But OSE, which is the game we're nominally playing, says, or we're playing, since now we're playing Castles and Crusades in that campaign, anyway, says that... um, you cannot attack. So that's pretty interesting. That's what OSE actually says when you're blinded. And I believe that in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, uh, or late 1st Edition, is when they talked about being able to have non-weapon proficiencies in Oriental Adventures. And blind fighting was one, and it said it took the penalty from fighting blind, which was a minus 4, down to a minus 2. That's my recollection of the rule. I don't know. You may know. Let me know. We'll all know. Okay, we're up to May 6th's Duet Gaming. As far as questing beast in the fourth pillar, yes. I agree with you 100%. Shenanigans is not the fourth pillar. And I agree with your definition of shenanigans. And that's how I like to run games, too. I'll set up some crazy scenario and it's up to, you know, I won't set up a, a way to fix it or a way to win the game, that's up to the PCs to figure out whatever mess I put in front of them. And, yeah, I mean, that's just a, that's just how I run games. So, and it applies to all aspects of the game. So I'm, I'm with you 100% on shenanigans. May 22nd, Marshall Beatty episode. You ask what the biggest detriment to a game is. For me, it's adulting and scheduling. I... I is a supervisor at work, I'll get called in if somebody calls out or I'll have to stay late, unexpected to fix problems or all kinds of stuff. We're understaffed, so i got to work overtime. So my schedule is the biggest, my work thing, is, you know, my work schedule is the biggest thing keeping me from gaming. So for me, it's adulting in, in scheduling. Um, but I look forward to listening to the episodes as I keep, re- keep going through past episodes of the future to see what other people say. And I look forward to listening to the rest of this Marshall Beatty episode because there's another 16 minutes and 30 seconds. All right. Yeah. Shenanigans. It's just plain shenanigans to say the fourth pillar is shenanigans. Um, But I did want to mention that I did get a duet gaming session in with Robert Nemeth, otherwise known as Nola Burt, another gaming and BS dude, and uh, Hobbs Goblins and Screeter for sure. Thank you for that, Robert. Can't wait to get back into Northgate and the Midlands and the Duet Gaming. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time uh, to make that happen. And when I have been available, it hasn't worked out. It's amazing that I'm even getting to play at all, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I also have a character that I made with Arlen of Live from Pelham's Wasteland fan fame. <laughs> I think he's a fan of his own show. Anyway, I have a super cool character I made that would use magic with knots, which I can't t- wait to talk about more and uh, actually get to play that game. I'll let you guys know about it. As far as the Marshall Beatty episode goes, yeah, man, my schedule is horrific. So big detriment to gaming with me. I mean, we're lucky, dude, that that is our biggest detriment, right? We don't have issues that other people have getting into games as far as um, mental disabilities go or transgender or just issues of unfairness that stop some people from being able to get into games. So I feel lucky and privileged not to have that be part of my own life. But as far as Marshall Beatty goes, an update, I just got my PayPal invoice. So I am thinking my wonderful, beautiful, impressive, uh, weird Frontiers book should be en route. I did wonder, though, why the pay stub said anal bleaching. I'm not sure what I paid for, guys, but I hope it's worth $17. Okay, Jason, I'm caught up to your pod, your current podcast. Um, not really much to say about the last few episodes. Appreciate your talk on West Marches. Enjoyed that. Hopefully you do could get on Cerebravore to, you know, expand on that for the uninitiated. As far as... Immersion goes, I've talked about that over on my show and been talking to Taylor. Probably going to do a joint show with him talking about different aspects since his show, his podcast was pretty much just a one-sided rant pandering to people. Um, But he and I have talked about that. So we'll talk about that on his show as opposed to getting everybody coming to your show because they come to your show for other things. Um as far as the glass houses and all that, I think everybody's got glass houses to some degree, so you need to be careful on hating people. I'm not saying you hate on people. I'm saying people need to be careful on that. There's a legal system. People break the laws, and they can be pers- prosecuted for that, and they should be. And if you see people being dicks to each other, then don't play with them and don't hang out with them. So it's pretty simple. Um, you, you know, I... You're not going to get away from having personalities and cults of personalities and all that kind of thing. Um, remember that song, Cult of Personality? But as far as, you know, you got to temper things and, you, you you know, just you can't, you know, you can have friends and you can have people that you look up to in the industry, but you can't put them on pedestals because we're all people and we're all fallen and we all got problems. And like I say, if you see somebody that's a dick, then... Recognize that and don't hang out with them. So it's pretty simple. But I'm not big into cancel culture because I think it's counterproductive and ultimately we're all in glass houses. And I'm out of time. Faux show, faux show, faux show. I think we should speak with our wallets. Um, and I, as I've said many, 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 many times, uh, building up a mob to go after something has never been a good thing in history maybe maybe that's what our civilization will end as 
I don't know. What I do know is that was the end of the other Jason and his catching up to random screed. I want to thank Jason Connerly of the RPG Nerds Variety Cast for all the calls, all the ways he made this a better show and is a good person in general. He's also a fan of the West, as am I. And hopefully, hopefully, I want to dive into my uh, third edition Boot Hill book pretty bad and play it and get to play it with some other people who are lovers of the we- of the West. Not necessarily the weird West. I always have a little bit of weird, but I really love the West. So thanks again, Jason, for the last two shows. I appreciate it. In half a mile, turn left onto US 14 Business West, I-39 alternate. As soon as we turn on to 14 Business West, we'll get back into the show and I'll talk a little more about what I really wanted to. And this is the player's job in a sandbox. Turn left onto you. Yay! All right. So, yes. I did indeed have a character named Polonius that was a straight takeoff of Sturm Brightblade, but is uh, a paladin to the god Ouroboros, one who believes in not allowing undead to be around and the cycle of life. But I did not play Ouroboros. I played Srudu, who is some kind of weird multidimensional character that eventually will become a semi-lich in Kalmata. I don't know how these things work. It's fucking fantasy, people. But... I got to play Srudu, and uh, the real highlight of that game for me was I was making a map as we went through, and by parsing the map and looking at the situation and everything that was happening, I was like, man, this looks like this should be right here. Let's see if there's a secret door here, and that helped us bypass some issues and got us into a new area that uh, was sweet. So even when you're on roll 20, especially... Use the right lane to take the Madison ramp especially if the GM is using dynamic lighting, it helps to map. It's fun. It looks cool afterwards. Uh, You have, you know, like another piece other than the notes that you took or the character that you had. Uh, It's unfortunate that both of my games are on Tuesdays because I really liked where that one was going and doing the plot hacking that I love to do. So thanks to Who's Carl for running that game. And all the players that were in it from uh, gaming. Use the right lane to take the Madison ramp. B- BS Landia. Uh, so hopefully, if um, my aired game falls through in for Castles and Crusades. Merge onto I 39 North, I 90 West. For Castles and Crusades, I'll have the opportunity to jump into, uh, into their version of the uh, Keep on the Borderlands. So that was cool. I also wanted to mention on Thursday, I got to play in Elliot's uh, Valley of the Manticore game, which was heating up. It almost had two sessions of role-playing and interacting with people in town, which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It seems like, you know, player skill would say default to the character that has the best charisma to deal with people, but then that leaves you know, three or four other guys just sitting there while he talks to them. And it's cool and it's important and fun, but I don't know. I don't know if it's enough. I'd really like to hear what you guys think. I've been in many sessions where there's no combat and I'm fine with that. But at the same time, when we're talking about player spotlight and being involved and 
mean, we're all grown-ass men, adults, or grown-ass women. We're all grown-ass people, grown-ass adults, and we have lives and jobs, and we're taking the time to play a game. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy the game, but I am saying I got effing tired, and it was hard for me to stay focused on what was going on. And maybe that's a me thing. I don't know. I'd like to hear you guys weigh in on, you know, especially in the early stages of a sandbox game when you're trying to get as much information out there. Is that something you should do in your blue booking stage on your Discord channel? Uh, how much do you want the players to know? How often do they get rumors? You know, how? what's the best way in today's day and age of busy lives to actually move that information to the players? If you just do it in an info drop and text, are they even going to read it? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to read it, guys. I don't know what the answer is. That's why I'm asking you. Super curious to find out what you guys think. Further, similarly, what allow what what makes you vested in a sandbox game? I recently got a message from a person talking about a game they were playing in and how I felt about what their thoughts were concerning the game because they felt like you know, there wasn't really anything driving their character. Their character wasn't motivated to do anything specific. There was a lot of shit being thrown on the walls. But for this person, this player, the, none of it was sticking. They didn't really, they didn't really, they weren't really motivated to, they didn't like any of the NPCs necessarily and really want to help any of them. So they didn't, and I was like, all right, what you have to understand is, in a, this is my answer to this. I would love to hear what your answer is. The GM's job is not to motivate your character. That's the player's job. I don't know. Hot take? What do you guys think? Let me know. I'll say it again. It is not the GM's job to motivate your character. That's the player's job. I saw something similarly on the LFG Discord recently where uh, a player made a character, has a super high AC, Another player in the group was asking what the GM should do because he didn't he didn't feel the other players who don't have this super min-max character as far as AC goes should be punished so the GM can challenge the group with this guy with the super low AC. It's like, I, I mean, I don't... To me, I don't even bother with that as a GM. As a GM, I'm just going to play the game as I play the game. There's going to be other th- ways to challenge the party. I can do anything. I'm the GM. I can put in anything I want doesn't mean I'm going to punish the other, the rest of the party. A challenge is a challenge is a challenge and the party is a unit and I don't know punishing the other players seems like something that that really would be. I don't know. There's a lot of nuance there that I feel could use a lot of conversation. Um, But I mean, there's a ton of things a GM can do. They can attack the character sheet other than the AC. So if we break down a character sheet, there's so many different things that can be done, like mind affecting things. It's just like superheroes, right? They all, everyone's got their weaknesses. And I, I'm not saying you should exploit them as a GM, but there's different types of monsters or adversaries or foils that could be used that could affect them. LFG has mind affecting. It's got rules for madness. I mean, Jiminy Christmas, There's to me, it's just such a non-issue. I feel bad because I don't want to minimize someone else who feels like there is an issue. 
to me there really isn't though. What do you, what do you guys think about it? Man, I got so emphatic and excited about this aspect. I don't I don't even remember what my other aspect was. Oh yeah. What is It's not the GM's job to challenge the party. The GM creates situations for shenanigans. The player figures out the players figure or player if it's a duet game, figure out how to get through it. That's it. That's that's all there is. That's the extent of the job. Um, yeah, I think it could be done in an entertaining way. You can have lots of energy. You can have funny quips. You can paint a visceral picture. I mean, everyone's good at really different things. Like, I'm not that great tactically. I'm not a great war gamer or a board gamer. But I am a great gamer. I don't know. I'm getting so lost. If anyone else can figure out any of the questions that I asked here and they have anything to say, call in because I don't have any more call-ins from Connerly. I'm sure he'll call in for this session, this episode, but I don't know. What I do know is I hope you enjoy the dulcet tones of T.J. Drennan. And hey, don't forget, July 8th, today, Aaron Coleman Day, Baggio Gar Day. Go to the Twitch. Send your monies to John Hirschberger at Black Blade. I will get you the information if you don't know who to send it to. I will get you all the deets and the details and the datas that you need to know to do what you want to do, which is help a brother out and fuck up cancer. Stay alive. You got a job to do. It's better to burn out than to fade away.